0: You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Well, we are going to jump back into our series. We took a break from it last week, uh, but we're going to jump back into our series on staying on course. We'll see if this comes up before I get started. Um. Is that going to run? Ah, wrong. Okay. I don't have that much on these notes for you guys anyway, so. Sorry, I just don't. But I do have notes that I need on here. This thing's been grumpy with this system lately. Oh, you're even going to display the right second Desktop, you never know if it'll do that. That's the one it's supposed to show, but it usually doesn't. That's okay. That's not a biggie. Go back. Ta-da. Don't even try this at home. Okay, so we've been in this, uh, we've been in this for a number of weeks and we have laid a ton of foundation and you can, if you want to, if this is speaking to you, you can go back, you can pick these up again on our website, rmcmchurch.org, you can listen to the podcast, you can watch the YouTube videos, whatever you like. So we've been talking about staying on course through our whole life and I could, again this week, I was I was thinking about some people that I've known that at one time were really strong in the Lord. I mean, really strong in the Lord. And for one thing or another, either happening in their life or them taking hold of something that wasn't true, um, something that was done to them, all different kinds of things that happen in people's lives. They allowed that to come in to their life and begin to take them off course. And as when we started this series, we looked at what Paul said to Timothy about, Staying on course, so that you wouldn't your faith wouldn't become shipwrecked it wouldn't become just hung up on something and and destroyed all right and i you know I was thinking about it, and I was thinking I've known people that have gotten off course certainly through sin and not not being willing to let go of that sin I've seen people get off course uh that were doing great things for God because of uh they got too attached to money. I've seen people who got off course because of something, you know, uh, something that happened in their life and they began to blame God for that. I could go through a litany of things, just adopting really bad theology that disagrees with the Bible. But in every one of those cases, every one of them, a huge variety of things, but in every one of them, essentially what happened is they began to put something else put something that wasn't true about god in the place of god they began to believe a lie somewhere along the way and a lot, and when you know when events take place in our life i know we've said this over and over and over but this is just this is christian life 101 things happen in life and we have to learn we have to discipline ourselves to interpret our circumstances through the word of God, not interpret the word of God through our circumstances. We have to interpret who God is, the nature of God. How would we know that? We look at Jesus. The Bible says he is the exact image of the Father. That's how we know what God is like. So if if we have an event takes place in our life, we have a big disappointment, somebody betrays us. We're going to talk today about loss. Uh, these things happen in our life. And, and then thoughts and feelings begin to arise on the inside of us. Some of those Some of those thoughts, you know, we might begin to blame God for something. We might begin to question his character, his faithfulness, or something that he said to us in the past. Some of those thoughts are just coming out of that unrenewed part of our own mind and thinking that's still in the process of being renewed. The Bible talks about that. But some of those thoughts are not even your thoughts. Some of those thoughts are demonic thoughts; some of those thoughts are there to try and get you to agree with them and empower them and begin to follow them and get you off course and so we've got to when things happen in our life and emotions arise we've got to not we've got to learn to take a step back, get with the Lord, get into the Word, do not make big decisions at that point emotions will come and emotions will go. But we have to learn that when things happen in our lives, we're not going to abandon what we know about God because I don't understand why this happened yesterday. But I do know who Jesus said that God is. I do know some of his promises. I don't know everything about him, but I'm not letting go of what I do know because something happened that was unexpected in my life. Okay, I'm not going to believe, I'm not going to take hold of some lie. They are lies about God and begin to empower it and begin to let it work in my life and change my emotions and change my direction because that's exactly what will happen as you will start to walk in a, a different course in a different way. So we've been talking about all that and we've been for Uh, several weeks now, we've just been, I just pulled out these five things. There are a multitude of things that we could talk about, but these are, these are issues, things that happen in everybody's life that have the potential to take us off course if we let them. So we talked about disappointment a number of weeks ago. We all have disappointments. We get disappointed with people. We get disappointed with things. If you let that disappointment begin to lead you and guide you and, and again, Tell you something not true about the Lord, then you can end up getting off course because of a dismal disappointment i've seen people walk away from God eventually. That's not what happens first. But they get disappointed with another person. They get disappointed with the pastor. They get disappointed with the church. They get disappointed with this, that, and the other thing, and that'll eventually turn into disappointment with God. Well God, I'm just disappointed with you. And that'll work in their heart to where again it it builds a thought pattern, a thought life and they begin to walk a different direction. I've seen people, I know people who are sitting out of church today who have a call on their lives to be in the church ministry and this isn't I'm just not talking about church attendance I'm not talking about that I mean that's part of it but I'm not talking about that I'm talking about people who should be functioning in their gift in the body of Christ and honestly we are all losing they are losing but we are losing Because they're no longer functioning in the body or they're not functioning in the body where God would have them functioning. You know, it's like, sometimes it's like, I'm on a team, I'm not not happy with, we've been losing too many games, you know? So my solution to that is I'm gonna sit on the bench and I'm not gonna play anymore. Well, that's helpful. You know, that's really helpful for the team anyway. I better get off of that. Let's leave that. So disappointment, all right? I'm disappointed with disappointed people. Uh, So, and the second one we looked at was betrayal, right? Yeah, betrayal. We get betrayed. We have that happen in our lives and we make certain decisions from it. It will take you off course if you don't get through it. We talked about that. We talked about solutions to it. Last time we were together on this subject, we talked about regret, and all of these things dovetail, too. They all tie together. We get disappointed and we have a regret. We re, you know, these all tie together. But today, we're sort of working our way up the ladder. We all have disappointments. We can deal with disappointment. Okay? We all get betrayed. That's harder, I think, than, than most disappointments. That's, that's tougher. But you know what? God has a solution. We can get through that. We have regrets. We talked about what to do with regrets. And, you know, but today we're going to talk about loss and loss is a huge one. Next next week, if this all goes away, I think it's going to go, we'll talk about offense. And offense, you know, I know you've heard it before, but I still, it is absolutely the biggest, most uh, frequently used and frequently successful tools that the enemy has to take people out but today we're going to talk about loss and loss like disappointment, there are little disappointments, there are big disappointments. With loss there are smaller losses, there are really big losses. There are losses that absolutely change our lives. And that's primarily what I'm going to address today. We we can have a loss just in having a a, a business not be successful. We can have a loss in, in lots of different ways. We can, you know, we can have friends move away and we lose the friendship that we had, at least in the quality that we had it. And all those things are losses. But when, you know, um, what we're talking about today are losses, and here's the definition of it. It's a state of being deprived of someone or something that has held a place of great value in your life. And we said this about... um Disappointment, it's kind of true of betrayal. The more central that person was to your life, the greater the loss is going to be. The more of your future that you had planned with or around that person, the greater that loss is going to be. And and so when we're deprived of that person, we might be deprived of that person through death. We might be deprived of that person because they leave for one reason or another, they leave. We might be deprived of that person uh, just because of a decision that they make or we make. But but it's a point where a relationship is no longer, it does not exist in the form that it did. And many times it cannot exist again. And of course, primarily when we lose somebody through through death, you know, we on this end, if they're believers we know we're going to have eternity with them and that makes an enormous difference in the way that we go through grief we're still going to grieve but in the way that we go through it does it makes an enormous difference but on this end we still have to deal with all of that hope all of that planning all that well i thought this was going to go this way and again i have a number of friends who've lost spouses that were you know they were the kind of marriage and you know, I'm blessed to have that kind of marriage where they were, they were married, they were best friends, they had raised their kids together, they were in ministry together or in business together, they, they recreated together, they did everything together. And when that person is lost, it takes years and years and years, most of the time, to continue to work through the process of grief. The, the, the thing about grief is two things. Number one, the scripture tells us we don't grieve the same way the world does because the world doesn't have any hope beyond this life. We do. That's huge. That's huge. And and when we do get stuck in grief, one of the keys is to remember this is a breath. This life, it is. It's a breath. As you get older, you realize, wow, this went by really fast. You know, like 10, ten minutes ago, I was doing those stupid things as a high schooler. Okay. So, you know, but I mean, even in a greater sense than that, it's a breath. And eternity is eternity. And we do have eternity together. So we have to get we have to keep that in our hearts so that we grieve appropriately, because we still need to grieve, and there's a process to grieving. But there are still those things, and some of you in this room have experienced it where you had, you know, whether I mean no parent should lose a child, but they do. I don't think, I think all spouses should die together. You know, I, but, but it doesn't happen that way on planet earth. Okay. It doesn't happen that way. So we experience loss and some of them are really big losses and it's, and it will take time to work through that. But there are some key things that we can, that we can understand about loss and that we can understand, uh, you know, about the way the Lord wants to work us through that, that can that can really uh, help with that. Loss produces a sense of deep, and sometimes it's debilitating, sorrow, anguish, confusion, hope, feelings of hopelessness, feelings of disorientation a lot of times, because I saw, for all these years, I saw my future going like this, and this person was in it, and now they're not in it. Now what do I do? Okay, and and there's just that sense we have to work through. We have to it's part of the grief process that God grief is something it's a God thing. It is something God has given us. It is a process to take us from the way life was to the way life is going to be. The key in that is there's life up here. There is life beyond, and God has already prepared for that. All right. There's no loss that takes him by surprise. So God has already built some things into your life. You may not know what they are right now. You probably don't know this day what they are, but God has already been preparing the way for beyond that loss because it didn't take him by surprise, okay? So that's the process that we need to work through. We've we've got to be able, because there is no... You know, yesterday, it had been nine years since... Uh, since Tom Willis passed away. Great, just an awesome member of his family, of our family, of this church. And we still miss him, you know? But one of the things, I know I've said this a lot, but one of the things during the last weeks, uh, one of the big revelations God gave him was, there is no loss in heaven. There is no loss in the presence of God. There's no such thing as loss in the presence of God. And that, you know, we all fed on that some, but he really fed on that. He was, he was pretty joyful. You know, he knew he was going to miss some things. And he has. And uh, we were sure going to miss some things. But that is, that is the truth. There is no loss in heaven. And so we have to understand that the losses we experience, those are they are a temporal thing. As much as they hurt, as devastating as they are, they're temporary. And life is eternal. And if we can get those things in our heart, it makes just a, a huge difference. A lot of times loss is accompanied by regret. Because we'll be thinking, well, I should have done this. I wish I'd done that. Maybe I wish I'd intervened quick, more quickly in somebody's life. A lot of times it's just... I had the opportunity to spend this time with that person, and I didn't. Yeah, it's because you didn't know. You didn't know it was coming. My brother, I was just talking to my brother yesterday, I think. Must have been the day before. And we were talking about when my mom passed away, and that's been 13 years ago, this last January, I guess. Uh and he and she was living up there near him in Montana, and he was really helping take care of her for the last ten years of her life and uh, When she got ready i 'm sorry, I know i 'm going to make a lot of people cry today it'll be good good crying um, i hope when when uh the hospital called him one day, he lived about twenty miles from where she was. Called him one day and said, you know, she's showing the signs of her body shutting down. So she's not going to be here very long. And he said, I'm really glad you called me because I was just heading out the door to Billings. And I won't do that. I'll just come right up. And they said, oh, no, no, no. Uh, She's not going to go that fast. She's just, we're starting to see these signs in her body. And, and, you know, she's probably not going to be here more than a day or two. So, yeah, go do your stuff in Billings and then, you know, come up. It's fine. We're taking care of her. We're with her and everything. Well, he went to Billings. And he got back up past his place and up to Red Lodge where she was uh, 10 minutes after she died. And he feels terrible that he wasn't there holding her hand. When There was somebody with her, but none of her kids were there. And so he feels terrible about that. Okay, but you can't change it. It's a regret. Remember when we talked about regret? You can't change it. So at some point, you've got to be able to give it to the Lord. And he has. He's not laboring over it. He doesn't lay awake at night about it. But the memory is still there. Regret is often attached to loss. And a lot of times, it's, just be, it's not that we didn't do the right thing. We contributed to the loss somehow. It isn't even that. It's just, I wish I'd have been there. I wish I'd have done this. So we have to be able, because what's the point of all this? The point is, grief is a movement. It needs to be a movement. Otherwise, you'll get shipwrecked by it. You'll, you'll get stuck. You'll start to blame yourself. You'll start to blame God. You'll start to become hopeless. You'll start to lose some really important aspects of who the Lord is in you and where he's taking you. You'll begin to lose those things if you're not able to handle these different parts. So if there's a part in you that's, that's kind of caught there in regret, go back to what we taught two weeks ago about regret And begin to take those things before the Lord and and realize if there is something that needs to be forgiven, it's already forgiven. You just need to receive it. God makes up for so many of those. In fact, I really didn't intend to take this time on this, but it's okay. This is probably a good rabbit. Um, When my brother was going up to Red Lodge, And he thought she was still alive and gonna be alive for a day or so and he got out on the highway and he saw these, was it three figures? Yeah, two shining figures and a third figure. And he wasn't thinking about any of this at the time. He was just going up there, he was gonna spend time, he was trying to figure out how am I gonna do this? And he saw something rise up out of Red Lodge. He saw these three figures, two big shining figures, huh? Yeah, and and kind of translucent. And he's not like this. He is. He's not a spooky spiritual guy at all. He saw these things go up out of Red Lodge, and when he got there, she had just died, and at the if the timing was exactly that. So we I know for sure there were two angels there that accompanied her. So somebody was there. God made sure somebody was there. So if you weren't there, trust the Lord. He made sure somebody was there, okay? Somebody was there. and And it was just, that was so impactful for him. And he still didn't know. He was like, what in the heck was that, you know? And then he gets up there. And they told him when she had died, and that was right when he had uh seen this thing, so it just really ministered to him, and I've kept bringing that back to him every time he tells his story. But remember, somebody was there, you know it wasn't all on your shoulders. So I know there's a million ways we could go with this, but i just I just say a, a big part of it can be if there's regret accompanied with the loss, you just need to keep praying through that, and you need to let the Lord bring his word to you and and get you where you need to go. The reason loss is so hard and sorrow is so hard is because we were not designed for it. We were designed for life. Romans 5.12 tells us that death came into the earth through sin, through through one man, and passed on to all of us. We're in this fallen time, this fallen condition in the earth. Even though we're redeemed and we belong to Jesus, we still live in a fallen condition in the earth. But we aren't really designed. We're re- designed in, in God's image and God's likeness, and we're not really designed to to have death and loss. That's why it feels to us, doesn't it? Like that's just not right. This shouldn't have happened. No, you're right, it shouldn't have happened. And this is why for us to say, Well, well, you know, we, we get into one of those places, we start internalizing things and we start to say, Well, well, why me? Well, why now? Well, why them? You know, why why is there any of this? It's because sin entered the earth. Boy. If we could stay here for three hours, I could, I could hit all the things I need to hit right now. This is where your theology about God's sovereignty becomes so important. God's sovereignty. Sovereignty means the right and the, and the ability, the right and the power to rule. Okay, that's what sovereignty is. Every Christian believes God is sovereign. He has the right and the ability to rule. He can do anything he wants to do, yes. But in his sovereignty, what the Bible teaches us is in his sovereignty, God chose not to fully exercise his sovereignty on earth. You want to know what it looks like where God fully exercises his sovereignty? It looks just like heaven, because it is. okay. There's no loss. There's no death. There's no tears. There's, there's none of that. But on earth, he chose to share that sovereignty with mankind. He set us here and he said, you go into all the earth. You take dominion. You represent me. And we immediately chose to believe somebody else fell into sin. And that sin impacted the whole planet. So now we go through things. You say it wasn't fair. No, life does not play fair right now. Okay, God's fair, but life is not fair. And it's something we need to deal with without starting to accuse God, starting to blame God. Well, God, why You know, why did you do this? Why didn't you do that? Those are futile questions, number one. And they mischaracterize the nature of God and the nature of Jesus. We don't see, and, and loss is never, it's not a punishment from God. It's not, oh, I, I deserve this, or they deserve this, or something like that. Look at the ministry of Jesus. He never, he never put loss on a person to teach them something. He never put loss on a person to to punish them for something, to rebuke them for something. You don't see any of that in the, in the nature or the ministry of Jesus. It's because God doesn't do it that way. So the things that happen, a lot of the things that happen on this earth, they're not right. And our soul, our heart, knows this isn't right you're right it's not right but god's grace is sufficient to bring you through it god's life is here this is all going to be wrapped up and done and we are going to we're going to see a whole different world when this thing is over okay we have a redeemer God made a way for every person to come into relationship with him and know him and live eternity with him. And that's where our focus needs to be. And I'm not in any way, because I'm way off of what I have on my notes, I am not in any way suggesting we rush through. Our culture wants to, we're terrible at endings. We're great at beginnings. We celebrate beginnings. We're awful at endings. Nobody is suggesting you need to rush through um, Grieve, rush through that time or that period. Nobody is suggesting that. Our culture is really bad about that. Well, oh, you should be over this in two weeks. No, no, no. Just don't stop. However long it takes and it'll sneak up on you 10 years later. You'll have a day where, oh man, I really feel that grief again. It's okay. Let it work. Just don't stop. It will move you from the way life was to the way life God has planned for your future. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Okay, so that's all anybody's saying is, you know, I, I just think the way we rush grief is awful. It is, it is not uh, the way we're supposed to do it. All right, we need to look at two, before I run out of time here, we need to look at two uh, places in the scripture. I want to go over to Deuteronomy chapter 34. Are you getting anything out of this? I feel like I'm running in circles up here this morning. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 34. Oh, I know why that is. And let's see, let's start. This is talking about the death of Moses. All right, so we're going to start. We'll start in verse 5. Moses was somebody the whole nation had depended on to hear from God, to lead them through the wilderness. Uh, he, you know, his position to Israel at that time, uh, he and Aaron are the ones that that worked the plagues and led them through the Red Sea. And I mean, to lose Moses was to have no idea where we are going or what we are doing from here out. Okay, that's that's how it was. And in verse 5, Deuteronomy 34, it says, And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. So God did that himself. Verse 7, Moses was 120 years old when he died, and yet his eyes were not weak nor his strength gone. Let's take hold of that promise, Okay. Uh, verse 8, the Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now, this is not a rule that grief can only last 30 days. Then you're done. Get over it. Okay, That's not a rule. The point there is there was a God-ordained time of grieving. And people came together and they grieved together. They did the things that we do when we're grieving. They told stories they probably laughed more as time went on okay but they told stories they talked to each other they comforted each other there was a time but there was also a time where that grief came to an end there was a time where at least that grief tapered off but there was a time where it came to an end all right so we see there is both a beginning a god ordained thing but there is a beginning there there isn't and uh to a time of mourning. So again, we should be moving, we should be moving along through it. Okay. Then in verse nine, this is really, really important. All right. It says, Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hand on him, so the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord commanded. Alright. So here's what that here's what we can take from that. God had been preparing for the time after Moses' death for years and years and years. He had been preparing a leader. He had been preparing to take care of those who just lost Moses as a leader. He had been building something. He had been building the necessary wisdom into Joshua to lead that nation forward. Moses has laid his hand on him, so there's like a connection Uh, to to the leadership of Moses. But the important thing for us, the principle I believe we have here is when we experience a loss to us, sometimes we know it's coming for a while, which sort of makes it a little easier. Sometimes it's really sudden. We didn't know it was coming at all, okay? Whichever way that happens, we need to be confident because this isn't just this, what I'm about to say to you is not just about a time of loss. This is true across the board. God, if we are listening and we are, this is why it's so important that we spend time with the Lord and that we value what he speaks to us because whatever is coming your way up the road, God is preparing for you for now. When there are changes we didn't expect, things happen we didn't expect, And and that goes on, you can stop and you can say, you know what, if I go back to what God has been speaking to me over the last year, over the last six months, over the last 18 months, whatever, I'm going to find what I need to have the strength to go through this and go on and have wisdom for life after whatever this separation is. There's this theology out there that, oh, God's just the God of the last minute. He just always springs things on you. Well, the Bible names, God names himself as the God who sees ahead and makes preparation for. Okay, he gives himself a name in the Old Testament. So set your heart and set your belief with that. I You might be today just confused and I'm not sure what's going to happen and I saw everything happening this way and there's this whole period of adjustment. fine. But in your heart, know God has prepared for this. And you may not see all of the preparation right there, but God has already been speaking to you. He has prepared things. Maybe they haven't all come into your life yet, but they're coming, okay? So we get to this point and the preparation that God had made, Joshua takes over. And then let's just go down into Joshua chapter chapter one and just read these verses. They're so powerful. Beginning in verse one, says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. That just hits me every single time I read it. God is just, he's saying, look, that time, he's not trying to be cruel, but he's saying, Joshua, you got to realize where we are today. Moses is dead. Things are going to change, all right? He says Moses my servant is dead now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land which I am about to give them to the Israelites and most of your translations say say there so now arise okay Moses my servant is dead so now arise that word arise it appears all over in the scripture and it's a it's a a word that that means stand up again, show honor, which means we we show honor by letting God lift us up again. It means to be revived. Lord Lord's saying, be revived, stand up again, be established, be strengthened, to appear or be present. In other words, be in my presence. Stand up. Moses, my servant, is dead. Stand up. It's time to stand up. It's time to be revived. It's time to be in my presence. And the final, it's time to be victorious. So it's time to walk into the life that the Lord has prepared for beyond this demarcation. Does that make sense to you? So now arise. It's it's just so important. Life is going to be different, okay? But there is life. Think about this. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. All right, so anytime, and and that resurrection came after the cross, after a death, after the burial, there was resurrection. All through the scripture, all through the scripture, even in creation, God said there was an evening, darkness, and then there was a morning, new day. And God did another thing there was an evening, there was a morning. In the Jewish calendar, we've talked about this before, the new day starts in the evening, starts in that going into darkness, but then there's a new day. There's always, Jesus is the alpha, the beginning, and the omega, the ending, at the same time. That's not two different Jesuses, okay? So in every ending, Jesus has a new beginning. If we get those things in our hearts, then when we come into one of those dark periods, we can know, okay, it's dark right now. It's dark. Moses, my servant, is dead. But you know what? There's coming a day to arise. There's coming a day to be revived. And if I will let the Lord do it, he will bring me to that place. And he'll bring me to that place beyond where I am today. Does that make sense to you? Okay? So so he's saying here, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, you arise. You know, he's kind of saying, he's kind of saying, hey, Josh, Moses was mine before he was yours, and both he and you are still mine, and we're going forward. Does that make sense? It's like he was he was mine he's still mine, he was mine before he's yours. I've got the plan here I'm acknowledging in this place as I'm going through grief, I'm acknowledging god's greatness, God's goodness. I am praising him for who he is on days when my emotions aren't behind it at all, but I'm declaring who he is because he hasn't changed just because of my experience. Okay, does that make sense? All right. So quickly, he he says, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Okay, so he's saying, look, every place your foot's going to tread, I've already given it to you. So in other words, again, I have made preparation for you. I've already established this. I can already see it. But until you put your foot on it, you're not going to experience it. So again, it's that calling forward through this time of grief. It's that calling forward into that new day he has. But if you just stand there, you won't experience what I've already prepared for you. Every place that your foot will tread, I have already given to you. Okay? Okay. And he goes on, I just want to, just the last, uh, in fact, just go down to verse six. So he says, so be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn to it from the right or the left. You know, stay in the word okay? That you may be successful wherever you go. And then verse 8, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. That is the key to moving forward through anything in life is keep the word in your heart. Keep the word in your mouth. Don't start agreeing with accusations toward God. Don't start agreeing with, oh, my life is hopeless. My life is over. No, it's not. Jesus is the, the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the ending. There's either you're at an ending, there's another beginning. Okay. Do not begin to agree with those things. Those thoughts come into our heads. We can get really down, really discouraged, but we have to continue to keep the word and what the word says in our hearts and in our mouths. Okay, let's look at one more. And then we'll be done today. First Samuel chapter 30. And this is uh, regarding David. First Samuel chapter 30. Are you still with me? Okay. <laughs> well, good. Don't scare me. I'm just... First Samuel chapter 30. So the situation here, as many of you know, is uh, David and his men were doing what they were supposed to do. They were doing the right thing. They weren't being bad guys. They were out. They came back home. And while they were gone, uh, an enemy had come in and taken all their wives and children captive, burned their city, taken all their stuff. They had nothing. They came back there and there was nothing. They had lost everything everything, including their loved ones, okay? And David is the leader, okay? So he gets blamed for everything. So um, in verse three, it says, when David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So here we go again. David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. I don't know if any of you I'm sure some of you have cried until you couldn't cry anymore I have I have that's okay, all right. Weeping is okay. this idea we have that oh i should never I should never weep, I should never cry i've I've got to be strong now sometimes weeping is being strong, okay sometimes that's all the strength you have, so let that work on the inside of you. just don't stay there forever, okay. But let that work. David and his men, okay, these, I better not say it that way. These were, these were strong men, okay. They wept until they couldn't weep anymore. They had no strength left, all right? Verse five, David's two wives had been captured. Verse six, David was distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. All right. So not only had David lost his wives, you know, lost all of his stuff, felt responsible for all of them, had all that weight upon him at this time, now everyone has turned against him. And they want to kill him because this is his fault. All right. The kind of the uh one of the lessons right here is that when people are brokenhearted, it says, in fact, let's just finish this. It says they talked of stoning him because each one was bitter in spirit because his sons and his daughters had uh, had been taken. All right. So this term bitterness right here, we're going to get into this another time. But again, I said it this morning, it means something poisonous, something harmful, something malignant. The grief that was in these people turn to bitterness, to anger. They were pointing it toward David, but David was also a representative of God to them. A lot of times in the midst of grief or in the midst of betrayal or disappointment or any of these things, people will begin to accuse the wrong person. And God is certainly the wrong person. So here's just quickly the lesson from that. Don't run with the emotions you're feeling right after a loss. I've seen so many people make really bad decisions. The bottom line is brokenhearted people make bad decisions. Okay, we're all susceptible to this. We need friends to surround us and try as best they can to keep us going the right direction for a while. Don't, don't go marry somebody. Don't, um, don't quit your job. Don't Leave your family, don't leave your church don't you know, don't abandon the people who love you don't and, and it's very common that people do this, and they get bitter on the inside, they're in grief, they're hurting, and for those of us on the outside of that grief, if somebody blows up one day, if somebody says things, we need to just be there to support them and love them and uphold them and help them walk through that. But I'm just telling you, don't make big changes in your life right, right in the middle of grief, right in, the middle of, right in the middle of a divorce, right in the middle of any estrangement, right in the middle of one of those things happening in your life. Just don't let yourself do it. Don't let yourself begin to accuse people and blame people and go down those kinds of roads. It's not healthy for you. It's bitterness in you, and, and it'll take you the wrong the wrong place. It's just unwise to make big changes at those times in your life. Okay? So, you go on through this story and we don't have time to do it this morning, but it it ends up um, with David strengthening himself. They went and they got everything back. But the key verse in there, it talks about David learned how to strengthen himself in the Lord. He went to the Lord and he let God Strengthen him in the midst of this. So let me just give you a little list, and then we really are done uh, this morning of things. Just these are just mindsets to grab hold of for life beyond loss. Okay. Um, again, just remember—you know—as a culture, we're, we're good with beginnings; we're not good uh, with endings. So we need to, especially if we're ministering to somebody who's going through loss, we need to—you know—we need. We can't fix it. Nobody can fix it. But we can be there with somebody and never underestimate the power of silent presence. Just to be with somebody. A lot of times we avoid being with somebody because we say, gosh, I don't know what to say. Well, neither do they. None of us do. There isn't anything to say. But being there can be really, really important. I've sat in rooms with people for... I sat with one guy just all night long until the sun came up and... We didn't have much to say. His wife had died in an accident that night. We didn't have much to say. We prayed, we did things, but mainly it was just there. And anyway, that, that was very helpful, I guess. Um, realize that no loss that happens to us is not something that's common to man. Again, it, it happens. You're not alone. Other people really have been where you are. Not everybody I've never, you know, I don't have children. I've never lost a child. I don't specifically know, I can't even imagine how that feels if I'm going through that with somebody, but I do understand as much as I can that this is a terrible, difficult time for you. Okay, so, and I know that things happen on on planet Earth that shouldn't, okay? And we've got to keep that in mind. There's no loss that God didn't foresee and make preparation for. Here's the thing. Shipwreck of your faith becomes likely when we think that a loss or a failure signal the end of God's plan for our lives, okay? We feel disoriented. We feel hopeless. We don't know how we're going to go forward, okay? Okay. But we never want to take hold of that. We never want to empower that. We never want to begin to believe this is the end. Because no, at the end of darkness, the Lord always has light. He always has a future and a hope for us as believers. So no matter what your emotions are saying, no matter what's going on, there are certain truths you just have to hang on to. God is who God says he's not the, he's the author of life, not the author of death. He is. Ne- he never leaves me or forsakes me. He has a plan beyond this. This doesn't make him happy either. It was never his design for any human to experience some of the things we experience. It wasn't his design. I can't blame him for that. But he will be here to comfort me and to walk me through this. And I will not let go of those things in the midst of this. Do not give in to isolation. We want to, and depending on your personality, especially, we just want to. I just, I'm hurting. I just want to be alone. A little of that's okay, but don't pull away from the people that love you. Don't pull, just don't let yourself do it. You know, I, I'm going to quit. But I, I, you know, I've known a number of people, you know, good friend. Well, a man, we know has been real important in our life. Pastor lost his wife a number of years ago. He went, to, he was in church that night. You know, not because he had to be, because he needed to be where the presence of God was and where believers were and where people were worshiping. He just knew he needed to be there, you know. And, And he just resisted that pull on him to isolate and to pull away. There's a lot more we could talk about. But let's stand up this morning and pray together, whatever you think. Let's just pray together. Father, I, I know, Lord, I, you know, we all know each other. I know there are people in this room that are, have experienced recent loss. All of us have experienced deep losses throughout our life. And Lord, I, I'm just, my prayer this morning is that not a one of us would allow ourselves or those that we know to be taken off track and to end up shipwrecked in our faith over a loss that took place. And Lord, I also just want to pray, Lord, for that continuous working, of healing in the souls of people, Lord, because I know this, for some it's fresh, for others it's decades old, but Lord, we, that grief process many times goes on and on and on and and not in a bad way. I just pray, Father, for every one of us that, Lord, we would find our way through and we would begin to walk in that new place that you have prepared for us, Lord, that we would have spend more time and we would just increasingly enjoy you and enjoy the life you have prepared for us and hold good memories of what used to be, knowing that one day we're all going to be rejoicing together again in heaven. Now, Father, we thank you for that. And I just pray for that supernatural grace and healing in those who are mourning today, Lord, that only you can bring, that only you can do. And we thank you for it this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. You Guys, okay? Yeah. You're counting already. Good. All right. We're going to be dismissed. We have some great snacks out there. Hang around fellowship together. I uh, hope you got something good out of this today. Let's just say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. We will be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Go out there and be the church. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.